Amateur Traveler Podcast, Episode 20. Welcome to the Amateur Traveler Podcast. Today's episode is again about cruising, this time St. George's Bermuda. Hi, this is Sam from the SG Show podcast at sgshow.blogspot.com. And whenever I want to go someplace, I always listen to the Amateur Traveler podcast first. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. If you can't believe Sam at the SG Show, who can you believe? Sam is definitely my favorite uh, eight-year-old podcaster, uh, and I enjoy his show. He, he and his father's show, uh, Steve, sometimes get an edge, uh, a word in edgewise. So today is the show that nearly didn't happen. This is the second try at this show. I tried to do my first sound seeing tour today, and it isn't going to qualify as a regular episode. I thought for a moment about making it a not-so-special episode, but I think we'll just burn that audio tape. Uh, I ran into both technical problems as well as um, problems between the chair and the keyboard, as we say in the business. I forgot my camera with me, so I was trying to take pictures with a cell phone camera. I had bought the wrong iRiver. I thought it took external microphones, and it didn't. I had all sorts of noise that uh, was unacceptable, which is a shame. I was doing a a walk through um, the Redwoods. Uh, Maybe I'll try it again sometime, but I don't know if I'll be able to uh, duplicate the docent who just came up to me and wandered up and told me all sorts of facts that I didn't know. So I'll try that again sometime. It was an educational experience, but not necessarily a profoundly successful educational experience. So last week I started a series on cruising, and I'd wanted to do more on small small boat cruising this week, but didn't quite get my act together uh, to do that. I have an interview set up with um, some friends, uh, relatives actually, who have done a uh, small boat cruise to Alaska this week, so I'm hoping to do that still next week, and I'm still looking for more feedback from other people who've done the cruise to Antarctica or, or the the cruise up the Nile on a Felucca or those sorts of things. So again, look at the contact information on the show notes, amateurtraveler.com, Skype me, phone me, uh, send me an email, and I'd love to get somebody else's voice on the ear. Uh, otherwise, at some point, I'm going to start one of the episodes with, well, that's it. I'm sorry. That's all my travel stories. Thanks for listening. Uh, so long. But uh, hopefully not anytime soon. Before I get back to cruising, though, I want to talk about three news stories. Uh, two, first one is from About.com. And About.com had a link that's called eight tips for holiday budget travel. Uh, Might be a little late for your holiday budget travel uh, for this year, but there's some interesting tips in there. Uh, Things like taking the train to avoid some of the congestion at airplanes. Simple things like watching your speed because they're going to arrest more drivers during the holiday time than any other time. So check out the eight tips for holiday budget travel from about.com. And then also there's a link from Fodor's, Fodor's Travel Wire, for 10 tips for easier flying. And a couple interesting tips in there like 
taking the first flight out of the morning because the problems that they run into at airports are cumulative and if you're taking a later flight you could be much more easily run into schedule problems because the flight before you may have been delayed or the flight coming to the gate may have been delayed. So uh, 10 tips for easier flying, things like leave early, check the records, um, avoid rush hours, those sort of things. Check out that article. The third article I have, well it's not an article so much, um, as a news story more about the site, you may have noticed last week that there are uh, there is a new listener survey in the left sidebar of AmateurTraveler.com. Uh, if you're, I'd love it if you, people could take that. I'd like to learn more about who the listeners are. Um, I will share the information I get back with the audience if you're interested in me doing so. I won't have personal information. I'll have just aggregate information about people. So. Um, I'm not really looking to find out exactly who you are, much more who you are as a group, and I'd be glad to share that information back with you if I get enough people taking the survey to make that interesting. Um, I also did put a link on the sidebar now to the Frapper map to add yourself to the Frapper map, so a couple things there in the sidebar for you to check out. So moving on to Bermuda. I talked just a little bit about the trip to Bermuda and the cruise to Bermuda last week and said that it was a cruise on Royal Caribbean cruise and this time I'm not going to talk so much about the cruise experience so much as the destination so not going to be talking about the ships if you're interested in the more of the ships and that go back to last week's show episode 19 but uh, this time I want to talk to you a little bit about St. George Bermuda let's start with where is Bermuda first of all if you go to look at a map and you're trying to find Bermuda and you go look in the Caribbean you're not going to find it but that's where a lot of us tend to place it in our minds Bermuda is actually much further north it's basically about the latitude of South Carolina if you're from the US and so we did a cruise from New York and it's a surprisingly easy cruise from that location it's actually closer to New York City than it is to Miami and I have a map on the show notes at AmateurTraveler.com for those of you who don't believe me or don't have a map of your own um, basically it's much further north than we tend to put it and so it's not really a tropical island it is out of the tropics and a little cooler than you would expect but still a lovely vacation especially in the summer which is when we cruise there we did cruise there from New York. I told you a little bit about the the cruise experience in way back in episode five, I think it is, when we talked about cruising for the first time. Um, we left out of New York. Well, really, we left out of New Jersey. The Liberty Cruise Port is not in New York. It's over in Hoboken in New Jersey, and uh, the the cruise left from there. Um, so, but St. George is the very first stop that we made on that particular cruise. And if you're not familiar with St. George, I've included some links in the show notes to some information actually from the uh, Bermuda Yellow Pages about uh, St. George, just a little quick summary. But basically the town is founded in 1612, and the town of St. George, or St. George's, uh, both are correct names for the town, is thought to be the oldest continually inhabited town of English origin in the New World. So it's an older town than Jamestown. Now, 1612 isn't old by European standards, but certainly by the New World standards, that's, that's pretty recent, uh, especially for the English-speaking part of the New World. And the whole town is itself a World Heritage Site. Um, so it is a UNESCO um, site. It's a living museum, and um, the, this particular site says that it's arguably Bermuda's finest 
visitor attraction. Uh, it is a lovely little town. It's an easy town to see on foot. Uh, we walked all over town, and it doesn't take that long to walk from one end of the town to the other, and way over to the other side of the island. The whole island of Bermuda is only about 20 miles long, and there's probably no single place where Bermuda is a mile wide. So it's a very long, thin island, not exactly a straight one. It has all sorts of curves in it. But when we, the first thing that we wanted to do is get to a, a beach when we landed, uh, because we're cruising, we're we're in the on, on an island, and uh, the we walked all the way across the island to get to a beach. But that's not that long a walk in Bermuda, especially in in St. George's. So uh, I put a gallery of photos up on the website again at amateurtraveler.com uh, a number of photos this time and the one thing you should notice as you first look the very first photo is the entrance to St. George's Harbor is very small as you come through on a cruise ship and the cruise ship we were on held um, not quite a thousand people I think it was 800 passengers as I, as I recall it's the Empress of the Seas so you could look up and find out whether I'm correct about that but that seemed to be about the largest ship you'd want to pass through that narrow harbor uh, it's not something that you're going to big build, bring in the large large cruise ships and you can only tie up I think one or two I think there are two ships can tie up at a time in St. George's uh, there was only one there when we were there but it uh, doesn't hold that many, doesn't hold as many as some of the other parts of the island, and it has to be a smaller ship just to physically fit through the straits here. It's also interesting as you watch where the ship comes from, uh, Bermuda is surrounded by a reef here on this large um, outcropping that, that comes up uh, to form Bermuda. It's on the, the Bermuda Lift, I think is what it's called, and uh, hang on, let me see if I got that name right and uh, it's volcanic and around it is is a reef and the ship has to take quite a circuitous route to get into St. George's. Sorry, the Bermuda Rise is the word I was looking for earlier. And uh, it's interesting as you see Bermuda, the first thing you notice is all the pastel colors of the houses and all the white roofs and it just looks very pretty and then you learn later on that the white roofs are practical because Bermuda has, as I understand it, no rivers. And so all of the water for Bermuda either comes from desalinization, which is expensive, or it comes from captured rainwater. And all of those roofs, if you look carefully, are whitewashed or, or painted rather every year, and they're used to collect water from rain to use for the residents of the houses. So um, they're very pretty, but they're also very practical. They're, they're very clean looking because they are in fact going to be the source of, the primary source of drinking water for the people who have the houses. So Bermuda houses are white roofs and then they have all these interesting pastel colors and so that's the first thing you notice as you come in. Uh, the next thing we noticed, and you can see if you're looking at the gallery, there's a, a lady who's waving at us from a yellow house here. She was just waving back and forth. So uh, right away we got the impression that the people in Bermuda were fairly friendly. Uh, perhaps the cruise ships were um, useful to their economy, but uh, they really were um, friendly people, and we really enjoyed our our stay in Bermuda. Uh, it's certainly, some place that I would I would recommend. Some interesting things. It's a very high average standard of living in Bermuda, and we learned from some people while we were there that it's very difficult to immigrate into Bermuda. 
that you, if even if you married somebody who was a Bermudian, that you couldn't become a citizen for I think it's ten years, and even after that, I think if you divorced, we were told within the first five years you would lose your citizenship and you would have to leave. So it's a fairly small island, it's fairly densely uh, populated as well. Um, there is a limited number of cars on the island. Every resident of Bermuda is only allowed to have one car per family. And so you quite often will see, especially as you get to the other part of the island, which is more the business part of the island, men in their in their suits and ties, no suits and ties includes uh, Bermuda shorts, um, on the, their little scooters. And uh, because somebody in the family is probably going to drive a scooter or you're all going to carpool together. So you come in Bermuda Harbor and you see all these, uh, Bermuda Harbor, St. George's Harbor, and you see all the, the whitewashed or the pastel buildings and the white roofs. And you also see up in the distance, and you'll see in the about the eighth picture in the um, gallery, a place we'll see later on, which is the unfinished church. And it's only a couple blocks from the, the gallery, but I, I get a little ahead of the story there. You pull into the harbor, the tugboat's bringing you in. I've got a nice picture of the tugboat faithful to help bring us in. And then there's mostly the downtown St. George's is little shops, little craft places, some art galleries. A lovely place to stroll around. It, it didn't feel all that crowded when we were there, uh, surprisingly enough, considering that we were coming in on a large uh, cruise ship. But I think a lot of people... Uh, either stayed on the boat and then a lot of people quickly made it over to the the beach which I mentioned last week got very crowded very quickly. Um, so you'll see some of the pictures as we walk around Bermuda. You'll also see a replica of a ship that was built. The first people who colonized uh, St. George and Bermuda were actually shipwrecked on Bermuda and they built a boat to return uh, I think actually they didn't sail, sail to England. I think they sailed to, to Jamestown, as I recall. Uh, but they basically left the island on a, on a ship of their own construction. And within St. George's, there's a replica of that boat, a fairly small boat for that kind of voyage. Uh, there's also uh, pictures of tourists who are trapped in the stocks for whatever offense I was not able to learn. Also downtown in... I say downtown in St. George's. Downtown is, is a little bit of a misnomer. It's, it really is a very small um, city. It's, it's just a few blocks in any particular direction. But the little shopping area da uh, downtown has um, also has St. Peter's Church. And St. Peter's Church is the largest, the largest, <laughs> it's actually a small church, the, the longest used, continuously used um, Anglican church. So it's the oldest Anglican church in the New World still in continuous use, uh, and then in the Western Hemisphere. And uh, some interesting things about that, uh, it's so old, in fact, that the English language had one slight variation in its printing at the time that the church was built. And so if you look at the, the gallery, go to the picture of, uh, there's a picture of a plaque, and it's a plaque to the memory of George Forbes, M.D., and if you look at it, you'll notice that it seems to say a singular complacency of manners joined his many youthful talents and eminent virtues rendered highly estimable. Um, it, it's as if the person who wrote it had a lisp. They talk about he was bleft with a convivial disposition. But at the time that this was written, at the time the church was built, the S, as we write it in English, was written very similarly to the letter F, except that the line didn't go all the way across. 
I don't know who thought that was a good idea, but we certainly spent the rest of our day talking about what a bluffing it was to be in Bermuda. Uh, so that was just one of those interesting little historical tidbits from uh, seeing something that's that old. I mean, basically we're talking about uh, a church that was built, I believe, when James I was king of England or around that time. Uh, further up the hill, I mentioned there is a church called the Unfinished Church, which is, strangely enough, unfinished. It's a much later church. I believe I learned that it's from the uh, the 1800s, uh, from the 1870s. So it's a much later church, but it just never got finished. And it's on now labeled Church Folly Lane. And you see a picture of my daughter standing in Church Folly Lane with the unfinished church. It reminds me of some of the ruined churches that you see pictures of in England, uh, especially from the time of of uh, Henry VIII, but it basically is a much more recent church that just never got finished. And uh, it sits there in its state of uh, semi, not really ruined because it wasn't ever finished. And then as you walk past the unfinished church, you get to the top of the hill and you come over to the to the bay and you come to Tobacco Bay. And Tobacco Bay is a lovely beach um, but if you look at that picture carefully, as my family is trying to figure out where to find a spot on this very crowded beach, look at the color of the towels of the people on the beach. Do you see that everybody on the beach seems to have a yellow towel? Those towels are cruise ship towels. And so this picture, and I mentioned a bit last week how crowded a beach gets when a cruise ship dumps off, but I hadn't thought to note that if you look at the picture, you can see how many of the people on the beach are fellow cruise ship passengers just by the colors of the towels. And so it's a, it's a great beach, but we didn't end up staying there because it's just really was very too crowded. But if you go just a little further on from St. George's um, over to the north east corner of the island, uh, a little walk away, you come to a different beach, uh, which is the beach near Fort St. Catherine. And so my family went to the Fort St. Catherine beach, and I did a quick tour of Fort St. Catherine. Fort St. Catherine is an older fort, um, although currently it's in a state, um, f you can see the guns that were updated on the, on the, um, on the fort are from later days. So for instance, there's a gun that would be in a world, in a wheeled turret. Uh, that would be a gun f probably closer to Civil War era. And then there's another gun, which is actually a modern gun that was put in in World War II. I actually didn't take a picture of that one. Um, that was used when they were protecting the the Bermuda from the, the Germans, basically, in World War II. So, but you can do the tour of St. Catharines. You can go down below and see where they were. Here's the furnace where they were heating the shot to fire heated shot at wooden ships because if you put a red-hot cannonball in a cannon and shoot it at a wooden ship, you can make the ship catch fire. So uh, Bermuda was never successfully attacked, as I understand it. But uh, it does sit out there in the middle of nowhere where it was a useful base um, up to World War II, at least. In World War II, it was used... Uh, the other side of the island to um, capture intelligence information, uh, radio transmissions and such from Germans and especially German U-boats. So, and then we ended up at Fort St. Catharines Beach, which is a lovely beach, and if you are going there when a cruise ship gets out, uh, walk over to Fort St. Catharines Beach and ignore Tobacco Bay and just leave that for the bigger crowds. It's a, it's a much larger beach, and it was also lovely, lovely waiting, lovely 
a little snorkeling down at the base of the uh, fort itself, down even amongst the uh, some cannon, rusted cannons that had fallen off the fort. As we came around then down that coast, we come back to St. George, and I've included some more pictures of St. George. Uh, the lovely flowers, so you can see that although it's not really tropical, it has that sort of um, it has a sort of tropical air to it because it does get the Gulf Stream. So it's not in the tropics, but there's lovely uh, flowers everywhere on the houses. There's uh, lovely little walks uh, out into the neighborhoods. And then you can also see all the scooters parked in the one neighborhood as people are um, riding their scooters because, again, the number of cars are limited. And it is a small island there aren't a lot there isn't a lot of space and so a scooter really does make a lot more sense and as a tourist you can rent a scooter you can't rent a car and uh, there are debates about uh, everywhere from the best way to see Bermuda is definitely on a scooter to whatever you do don't ride a scooter in Bermuda because numerous tourists are killed or break legs or whatever every uh, every year on a scooter so you'll hear mixed uh, results on that. We did not ride a scooter. We either walked around as at St. George or when we were on the other side of the island we were taking a bus or a taxi uh, which wasn't all that expensive. So when you get some pictures of the the sailing ships in the in the harbor and the and the the lovely Bermudian homes in there and as I said it is a unlike some of the places you might go in the Caribbean like Jamaica or whatever there is a fairly high standard of living in uh, Bermuda. It tends to be a uh, center of uh, not banking but insurance, international insurance. So uh, it does tend to be fairly wealthy, and so it's a it's a lovely little city and very um, very safe feeling as well. Well, that tells you a little about a bit about uh, Bermuda. Uh, I've got other stops that we did on that trip that I'll get to sometime. I'm still hoping next week to present you more about small boat cruising, uh, which was my original intention for this week, but I just didn't quite get that together. In the Internet Resources section this week, I have a couple resources for you. The first one is World 66, and World 66 is a travel guide. The difference is is that it's a user-contributed travel guide. So basically, it's the travel guide that you write. And so, if you go to the World 66, it's still they have it's still marked as in beta. For instance, if you look for Bermuda in World 66, which I did, St. George's doesn't appear at all, or St. George, depending on how you prefer to call it. And so uh, somebody has to go in there, yet yeah, maybe, excuse me, maybe that's something that I should do, uh, go in there and contribute something about St. George. But basically this is something that you can also download to your handheld uh, and take it with you. Uh, it's still a work in progress, but an interesting site. Check out World 66. The other resource I have for you is Thorn Tree. And Thorn Tree is a discussion board uh, not unlike in functionality the amateur traveler discussion boards which I hope people take part in but Thorn Tree is the discussion boards uh, particularly for the Lonely tr uh, Planet travel guides and so some interesting destinations for instance talked about in Thorn Tree and uh, a very active discussion board someplace to check out especially if you're looking for going someplace a little more um, a little more out of the way Prince uh, Lonely Planet probably is one of the better guides or series for the lesser travel, the road less traveled, let's say. So check out that resource as well. 
Uh, once again, I'd like to thank uh, Live World, my employer, for the use of the bandwidth to download the MP3 and AAC files for the Amateur Traveler Guide. Uh, and Live World is a leading provider in internet community services. Uh, check out liveworld.com if you're interested in learning more. I'd like to encourage people to go to the discussion boards and comment on this episode, give me suggestions for other things you'd like to hear, and especially uh, go to the cruising section, start that up, and tell me about your small boat cruising experiences. I'm still looking for some of those stories and hoping to get back to that next week. As I almost did as the closing song for this particular episode, uh, since I, the alternate title for this was The Dog Ate My Podcast, since this is the second podcast I've done today, um, I almost did a song called The Dog Ate My Homework. Uh, there's links to that in the show notes if you're interested in hearing that uh, kid's song. Uh, Sam, you might want to check that out. Dog Ate My Homework is something I think you would enjoy. And uh, instead, I'm going to do something, since I'm recording this on a Sunday, which is unusual for me, a song by Steel Petals from the Podsafe Music Network, music.podsafe.com, called Sunday Sound. So thanks for coming, thanks for listening, and here is Sunday Sound by Steel Petals. Him why? 
Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Have a nice day. Goodbye now.